Well, welcome to Spicy Salted Chocolate, the podcast. Once again, like the phoenix back from the dead, risen from the ashes. Today I have my usual compadres. We have Olaf. Say hello, Olaf. Hi, Olaf. <laughs> we have Dude Cronk. Hi. It's Christina, by the way. And then we have our ever endearing Timon. Hey guys, it's Lily. Flash Timon. And I'm your <laughs> I'm your host, Frozone, today, also known as Christopher. You may have realized, for those of you who follow us, that I was absent the last time we had an episode. I do apologize for that. Um, but the ladies held up strong. Um, and you know, suffice to say they didn't actually end up deleting the podcast episode like they, you may have thought they might. So I guess they felt cute and stayed cute. (laughs) For our appetizer topic today, I'm going to let Christina speak to you all about a recent, um, revelation she's had. Um, we always want to rejoice with those who, continue to walk in fellowship with the light. And so, Christina, why don't you share with our audience what you texted us recently? Well, to preface, I have no snacks in my home right now. So part of my revelation could be connected to the fact that I just needed something to munch on. Nevertheless, I texted them last night because when I was younger, I used to hate mint chocolate chip ice cream, passionately. Christopher always wanted it all the time, any day. And so I texted, I was like, Christopher, I know I used to hate on mint chocolate chip ice cream, but it actually slaps. And it was just thrilling to him. And so he wanted me to tell you guys that I've come to this new conclusion about mint chocolate chip ice cream. Not just mint, green mint chocolate chip ice cream. It's very tasty. What brand did you have? It was... Is it Edie's? Eddie's? Yes. Whatever. Yes. Yes. The tall, cylindric, stripy top. <laughs> Did you have it because you bought it or somebody else bought it? I didn't buy it. it. It was in our freezer. And I was like, hmm, something. So I got a little. It was good. A little more. Sounds like a true conversion story. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord seeks us and we don't know that we were seeking him all along. <laughs> okay. Miss this. <laughs> but on the topic of ice cream, I am now curious, what are your favorite ice cream flavors? I prefer custard. <laughs> oh, so we have bougie Olaf with us. That's just an Olaf thing to say. I prefer custard. You probably prefer it in summer, don't you? but i think it just it's creamier and it tastes better and if i can get my flavor of choice it's a chocolate peanut butter twist Mm. interesting i'm very brand specific okay if it's gonna be custard we're going to core brothers peanut butter or vanilla with rainbow sprinkles Um, I'm not a, you know, psycho, so no rainbow sprinkles on peanut butter, just vanilla. 
And if it's Hagen Dazs, their cookie dough is amazing. Ben and Jerry's New York Super Fudge Chunk. Um, Jenny's ice cream, the peanut butter with the chocolate salted flex. I mean, I could keep going. Salted Let flex. Me know. I had no idea about this passion of yours. Yeah. <laughs> I am enjoying this. Okay, if we go to a new ice cream place, my go-to is definitely cookie dough mm-hmm. with vanilla because I can't stand cookie dough with chocolate. Never had but that. if the cookie dough doesn't look, if the cook what? I didn't know there was a chocolate cookie dough. It's disgusting. Yeah. And if if the cookie dough doesn't look good enough, then I just go Dutch chocolate or dark chocolate, whatever, Mm -hmm. or peanut butter. Right. But cookie dough is my go-to. It's just if it's if I know it's not gonna like (laughs) if it's not gonna be what I want, then I'm not gonna get it. (laughs) Disappointing. And then I feel like I just wasted calories eating. Ice cream, let alone the money potentially exactly mm. so. christina definitely love custard vanilla only um gelato also superior to regular ice cream however um gelato doesn't come in a whole <clears throat> lot of different flavors so i typically typically love pistachio and um butter pecan those are probably my two faves um and then i also really enjoy cookie dough and cookies and cream cookies and cream is probably like my universal flavor like if i'm going anywhere i can just get a cookies and cream and know it's probably going to be you know cookies and cream would be fine um pistachio sometimes people put like toasted pistachios in their ice cream but they're like pretty close to being burned and you're like whoa this is ruining the ice cream for me so you have to be careful with the pistachio That's mm. but yeah. hazelnut is also very good not chocolate hazelnut just straight up hazelnut ice cream mm. that is very good okay so- yes i guess i like the nutty flavors <laughs> mm. um, side note on the pistachio i at church a couple weeks ago or like a month ago I had some pistachios that like in between services and then I was leading songs to the last service and I start choking during leading one of the songs and it's like a piece of pistachio that apparently didn't swallow and it just came to bite me in the butt <laughs> anyways it's embarrassing it was very embarrassing <laughs> it was recorded too so maybe I should go back oh good Wow. Wow. Mm. That's intense. For me, I would say I'm very simple and consistent with my ice creams. Um, You do vanilla for root beer floats or cheer wine floats. Um, Other than that, I think you you guys are correct. Um, Chocolate chip cookie dough, cookies and cream. I'm more of a chocolate chip cookie dough kind of guy in terms of like just a staple, rarely ever going to be bad, um, but never going to reach the heights of ecstasy like you'll get with some of the other flavors I'm about to mention, <laughs> such as chocolate with brownies. Um, Tillamook Mudslide is a high level ice cream. Mm-hmm. You should try it. Tillamook in general is a very solid brand of ice cream. Um, their mint chocolate chip is good. It's white not green, but still good. But by far the best ice cream, my favorite 
not necessarily the best, my favorite is to go to the land of Cold Stone, where you get to marry my two favorites, which is mint chocolate chip and brownies and chocolate, put them together, mash it up, and in a, in a beautiful delight of mint chocolate chip ice cream, chocolate chips, fudge, and brownie. It is gorgeous. <laughs> if gorgeousness was a flavor, that's what it is. I cannot stand Cold Stone ice cream. Like, of all ice cream that one can have, Cold Stone would never be anywhere I'd ever want to go. It's like hard ice cream. Hard ice cream. It's not good. The texture is is just off. Fantastic. Mm -mm. I do like Cold Stone, but I would not put brownies with mint. Oh, absolutely. They were made for each other. I would be open to trying it. You shouldn't. But it wouldn't necessarily be my go-to. I don't like brownies and ice cream. Mm. A good dark chocolate Ghirardelli brownie, perfectly cooked with some mint chocolate chip ice cream. Mm. Just fall back. I than brownies being in ice cream, though. Because that brownie is fresh. It's kind of a little gooey and melty (laughs) versus hard bricks that you find in ice cream <laughs> <laughs> no the the brownies at cold stone are quality interesting they've never let me down mm. yeah well speaking of never letting me down we're going to talk about a podcast about the gospel now because <laughs> <laughs> god never lets us down Anyway, we will. um, So recently, I have been listening to uh, a pastor by the name of Dan Moeller. You can find him on YouTube. But I found him recently after I'd heard of him already on Spotify. And so I was listening to one of his messages on Spotify. I thought it was quite good. Shared it with the chocolates. And we thought (laughs) since we have a habit of talking about relationships, coffee dates, things like that, that we'd talk about some of the things he referenced in the episode. Um, I'll start us off with um, a quote that I took notes of that stuck out to me. Um, Cause I remember we, Uh, I don't remember what episode it was specifically, but a while back, one of the things we talked about, I think was uh, who should say I love you first. Mm -hmm. I think we hit, that was one of our topics. And uh, I'll be honest. When should you say I love you? When should I say I love you? Thank you, Christina. Um, And I'll be honest. I did not go back and re-listen to that to kind of reference specifically what we talked about, but you audience can, if you feel so inclined, but uh, in the midst of the podcast episode that I was listening to that Dan Moeller had done, he was talking about um, the idea of love kind of in all of our relationships, but then kind of gave some specific examples from his relationship with his wife before he was a Christian and right when he became a Christian and in the aftermath of that. And he was talking about how a lot of us say, I love you. Um, but don't necessarily use the word love in that context 
to mean sort of a Christ-like love. And so he then kind of defines love like this and says that to say I love you should mean to say that I am absolutely selfless. I will lay down my life for your sake. All that is mine is yours. I love you. And so first, I was just kind of curious, what do you typically think it means to say I love you? Um, and whether that's from your experience of saying it or not saying it, or your hopes of having an experience of saying or not saying it, um, what do you think about perhaps his definition of love and kind of bringing that into the meaning of what it means to say, I love you? Hmm. I feel like Uh, that's a big question. I feel like I don't say it often because I feel like it means a lot. Mm. Um, like a lot of people just say I love you or whatever, but like that, it's actually really hard for me to say. Um, but I feel like <clears throat> I do say it to like my parents or like my little brothers or something like my intention is that they know that like I care about them obviously I want them to be well I want them to have a long fulfilling life whatever like and I appreciate them but I feel like it has less to do at least pre-listening to this talk like I didn't think so much about my actions or relationship exactly with them. Like, I feel like there almost needs to be more that kind of correlates. Like this is a reflection of an action that I've shown you and I'm just expressing it with these words. Mm. And that's actually in the case where it's almost like a, oh, if you didn't know, know this, that I do feel this way which is probably not good. So it sounds like you're saying that in light of what you've listened to, you're beginning to kind of think that saying I love you should have some, some, of, some sort of harmony with how you act towards the person you're saying it to. Yeah. Okay. Those are my thoughts. Thank you for your thoughts. I think for me, I... The thing I took away most from this particular podcast was how uh, unconsciously self-centered I am. Um, and he had a lot of different points, but his point about like the I love you, I think in my head, that's how I mean it. Like Maria, I don't say it very often. Like, I think I I feel it towards people a lot, but like actually verbalizing it is, I don't know why it's hard. It's more of like, it's kind of a, a weighty thing for me to actually vocalize to people. And I think there's part of me that's like, it's so overused. Most people don't use it correctly. So I don't want to make, I want to make sure I'm not abusing what it actually means. 
Um, but there is sort of uh, it. It comes out of an overflow of my own how I feel relating to someone else and it's not even necessarily like what they've done for me but I guess it is sort of more of a symbiotic thing as far as like I love them because of um how they make me feel but also like how I feel when I'm with them and um or I just like and I think for me it's a lot of like I just like who they are um mm. so that's kind of how i base my love i just really it's kind of this all-encompassing i really appreciate who this person is in my life and um that's kind of how i i perceive love and i but honestly like taking it so far as like i'm willing to lay down my life for you and i'm willing to give you everything that is mine and that kind of love i don't know if i can even use both hands <laughs> to count how many <laughs> people that kind of love would apply to um i can like if i'm being truly honest and obviously like if push came to shove in a crisis i think that love would actually come to the surface more readily than i think it would wow. at the moment um and but yeah it's still like very selfish sort of all right maybe not even selfish but more of a self-centric self-centered um way of relating to people and the world and I think obviously when I think about like a spouse like I'm in my head I'm thinking about it and I'm like oh yes I would die for this person I would do anything for them I want to give myself you know blah 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 but it's still at the same time, it's like, but they'd have to be the right person for me to want to <laughs> do all these things for them. Um, so, yeah. Which I don't know if that's a bad thing, but maybe it is. I don't know. I haven't thought that deeply about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for sharing those thoughts. It's so deep. Like when you say it, like uh, when you think about the definition that this guy gives of like, I would lay my life down for you. <clears throat> that's just really heavy. I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know. It's just so hard to know what I love you really. That true definition is just because like I am the kind of person that back all my life, like I've gone back and forth with like, should I, I should say it to everybody. I shouldn't say it to everybody. I should, I shouldn't. And I remember when I was like 17, and I was talking to this guy and I don't even think you could really call it dating, but he was like, I love you. And I was like, I love you. And it didn't really mean anything. Like I didn't actually love him. I just was using him <laughs> because I, it felt great. And I was like heartbroken over this other guy. Anyways, we ended up breaking, breaking up. Quote, like, I don't really think we broke up. I don't even know what it was, but I had this roommate at the time and then I think I may have mentioned it um, on the podcast before, but she was like obsessed with saying, I love you. Oh, the sound. Sorry. There's a motorcycle in our neighborhood. <laughs> okay. I was like, is the world ending? What is going on? Is it sound that bad? Oh, the, it's bad. Okay. It so, um, sorry. Our windows are open. The weather here's like, we don't use AC. It's just nice enough. Anyway, oh, so we um she would be she was obsessed with saying I love you and 
she'd say it to me like a million times, like literally like 17, 20 times before going to bed. And one night I got really mad and I was <laughs> like, you need to stop saying it. Cause I was actually kind of sad, but actually this guy talks about it in the thing. Like, um, I wrote it down somewhere. It's, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Hold on. Um, commercial break. Um, <laughs> It's kind of this idea that like you'll only do as good as the way things are going. Um, mm. Or it's this love that's like, I'll say it. Wow, I totally lost track of what I was saying. Like you, you'll express love when it's convenient or like it's circumstantially based. I don't even know where I was going. Anyway, so back to the story. So she... I would say I love you and I, I really got upset and I was like look you can't just keep saying this to me and like it, it doesn't mean it, it's like really hard for me to say it because right now I'm going through this thing where I like like this guy and the whole thing was that I didn't even care about the guy but because I wasn't being validated that's what it was I wasn't being validated that's like when my ego was kind of like present and it was more about me not so much about like the fact that this hurt so saying I love you was really hard for me at the time and then um I started dating another guy a couple years later and that was a whole thing like with saying I love you and it was really complicated and I was like really confused as to what it even meant and then mm -hmm. fast forward another couple years I'm like what 21 or something and I'm in college at Southeastern and this girl was like, Lily, you never say I love you. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's just, you know, I don't know. I want it to mean something, but it was kind of like these few weeks of me trying to figure out what does it really mean for me? And I just kind of decided like, I want to be the person. Like I, I, I was caring so much about what other people thought that I wasn't saying I love you, but in my heart of hearts, I really wanted to say I love you to people, even if I just met them and they were like really great and whatever, or even if not, like some people I feel like aren't really great and they still need to just hear like I love you like I mm. I feel like for me a lot of times it's a challenge to mean what I'm saying and to remember that like in a situation where this person needs something from me like I want them to know that even if like they don't think I'm that great or whatever like I want them to know I do love them enough to give them the shirt off my back like not to put my you know you know, whatever about myself, but like, truly, I want to be the kind of person like in the Bible where it says like, lay down your life for your brother. Like, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. And that's really heavy. But I feel like, like what you were saying, Christina, like you could be that kind of person in a crisis situation, you never know. And so I feel like I don't want to wait until a crisis situation to be that person. I want to be that person now. And so for me, like, even living with Maria, I was like, I'm going to say I love you to you all the time. Even if you don't say it back, like it doesn't hurt me. It doesn't mean anything like you have to really know that what you're saying and your actions like it can't be with strings attached it can't be with like dependent on okay is this person gonna say I love you back to me like would they do the same for me like because mm -hmm. then you're just gonna be offended about everything and hurt by everything <clears throat> and so I do like saying I love you I like saying it even if it's hard for me to say it or mean it I do think like it carries weight and I just, I don't know. I feel like I do want to be the kind of person that when I'm saying it, it's cause I do mean it. Um, even if I'm saying it a lot, you know, mm -hmm. anyways. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for sharing that. That's, um, I think that kind of segues nicely and where I kind of wanted to go next, but I thought what you said about having no strings attached is so important. 
Um, and I think that was one of the things, because I similarly to Christina when I was listening to it, um, felt definitely, and I think convicted can sometimes be an overused word, but I think I felt the reality of mm-hmm. conviction as I was listening to the podcast, just as I was thinking through how um, you, you mentioned saying I love you, but really searching for validation um, mm. and it almost being a tool to get something yeah. um, rather than an actual expression of what love is supposed to be um, for, for us when we're you know following Christ. And I think that's kind of what stuck out to me is that there's this unilateral aspect that it, this is really just, this is, I'm, when I say I love you, it has nothing to do with what you're going to say next. And this is really just about me towards you and not, and nothing else. Um, And what I thought really stuck out to me listening to this podcast is that I think that in my mind, you know, that kind of makes sense in our friendships. It kind of makes sense in casual relationships. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think that there can be kind of this subtle expectation when you get to something like a relate a romantic relationship where you're you're dating or you're married, where all of a sudden it's like, well, yes, it's still unilateral, but you're supposed to respond and say it back to me. Mm. Um, and I think we see this in, in TV shows and movies and all this kind of thing where it's like the stigma of like the person says, I love you. The other person doesn't. And all of a sudden it's this huge, huge, big thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, now I suddenly feel insecure in the relationship because the other person didn't say, I love yeah. you back. And I was listening, mm-hmm. I was watching an episode of um, The Big Bang Theory a couple weeks back. And that was kind of the theme of the episode and all this drama. And then, you know, it ended up with the two characters breaking up. Um, and you're like, whoa, slow down. Um, but what there was a, there was a quote that I wrote down that Dan said, and I'll just read it real quick. And he said, um, my wife has no ability to dictate how I am doing. All she can do is be loved by me. And if she receives it, it's great. And if not, I'm still loving her, but I'm not lacking a thing. If I needed her love, it would be a sickness. She'd be enabling something that needs to be fulfilled in my life. Um, and then he kind of gave the example where, you know, maybe you're a husband and you go, oh my, my wife didn't say love to me for two days in a row. Does that mean something? And all of a sudden you feel insecure. Um, and I think most of us hearing that would go, yeah, we would feel insecure. Um, and I think I was just challenged by the idea that he was suggesting that I don't have to feel insecure. And I think in my experience in terms of like in, in like sort of the pursuit of relationships, I felt a lot of insecurity in communication, like with text messages or like, you know, you send something and they don't respond immediately back or you communicate at a certain level of vulnerability and it doesn't get reciprocated. Um, and just, I, I know what level of insecurity that exposed in me mm. and well, I wanted it to be different. I kind of thought that's just kind of normal. Um, and I think it was challenging and freeing to hear, well, no, it doesn't have to be normal. Um, and that there's actually a place when your identity and your value is so rooted in God that you really are just in the relationship because you see what's lovable in that person and that's your only agenda is to kind of bring that out and it really has nothing to do 
with your ego or your things. Um, and so it just kind of made me realize how, you know, I, I loved as well as I could at the time, but it was not a very good love in hindsight. Um, I don't think that's something mm. to be ashamed of, um, mm. but I am motivated to, to kind of grow into a more mature kind of love as I've kind of listened to this. Mm. Yeah. I think he says at one point, like, he's talking about discouragement and he's like, mm-hmm. um, he said something along the lines of if you're discouraged, like truly discouraged about something, what are you focusing on? And he's like, do we ever remember an instance where Jesus was discouraged truly? And he was like, no, there's nothing written in scripture says Jesus is discouraged because he said discouragement is can only come from you focusing on yourself. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what? That's when he came for me. That's when he came for me. <laughs> and that made me like it was really actually really hard for me to kind of some of the things he said were kind of hard for me to digest because I think a lot of the way we handle pain or insecurity sounds good and it sounds like we're handling it in a very healthy way or in a way that's encouraging to one another and edifying but when he framed it around you're actually in many cases we're feeding sort of this victim mentality or spirit and you're not actually like you're there's always this sort of like um I think he gave an example of like his wife is at a Bible study or something and they're like, how's your marriage? And she was like crying or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry you're in this marriage. We're praying for you, blah, blah, blah. But inadvertently through their speech, they're making husband the villain and there's no compassion or grace for him or any expectation of his own transformation. And that was really like, I know I've done that. (laughs) <laughs> I know I've had friends come to me and who are like, I'm in this thing. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm so sorry. And like subconsciously, of course, but it's like in my, you know, your subconscious, like, I can't believe that guy did that to her. I can't believe he said that, blah, blah, blah. And there's like, when actually the person who needs love the most is not necessarily the girlfriend, but <laughs> is the one that hurt her. Um and so that was just like, it's been like a whole like reframing of what it means to truly love people or because it's really not about, it's really not about you at all. And that's so counter cultural and even Christian church culture. Like that's not what we know. And I think Christopher, you were saying like, um, oh, I can't, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. It'll come Um, back around. Yeah. I'll pause there. I'll come back to me. Well, to go with that, you know, I think, so I was in a, a bit of a funk earlier this month. And I think one of the reasons this, this message and a couple of other messages have hit me so hard at least I've appreciated them so much is 
I remember I was um, at our church does prayer every Wednesday night and I was at a prayer meeting. Um, and as I was kind of spending some time listening to the Lord, um, I felt like the Lord said I needed to let things end. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Ending things. Um, and then um, I guess Father's Day, I was kind of praying again and it was kind of brought back the circus. Like you need to let everything in, end. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, literally treat every aspect of your life like it's ending and then start over from scratch. All of your relationships, all of your preconceived notions, all of your expectations, all of your, ex your all of your perceptions, let it end and start over and let me redefine how you should think about things and how you see people. And I was kind of like, like, you literally mean everything. And so I spent some time mm -hmm. with him and literally wrote down pages of stuff that I felt like he said, let this end, let this season of life end, let this person end. And some of it will restart and some of it won't, but really let it end. And it was almost kind of like, it kind of felt like getting saved <laughs> in a certain respect. It was kind of really strange. And maybe it was because I got saved, you know, when I was six, more or less. And then obviously you kind of have that moment and like you discover your personal relationship with God, but that was really a process. And so this was kind of this strange today, things are ending, praying, giving it to God. And also like, well, I guess I have nothing anymore. So let me start over. And so as I've, you know, so with this particular message, just the idea of starting from scratch of how I think about relationships and how I think about love and how I think about how they're supposed to work. And I think to your point, Christina, like, yeah, I've definitely indulged in a victim mentality myself and I've definitely supported people doing that. Um, and at the moment I thought I was doing the right thing and I was doing the best I knew at that point. Um, but I think the thing that's kind of really resonated with me was him basically saying, and all things were called to let the life of Jesus live through us. And we're called to show people Christ. And there's really nothing anyone can do to keep us from doing that, but we can shut that down in and ourselves mm -hmm. if we get stuck in our pain. And one of the quotes I remember I wrote down when I first saw the movie, The Shack, which is one of my favorite movies, is um, there's a quote in the movie where, there, where God kind of says to the main character, you know, if all you see is your pain, you can't see me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's definitely been something I can resonate with that when all I've seen is my pain, I've never seen things God's way. And I've never really been able to um, embrace looking like Christ in moments when I was frustrated or in moments of waiting. Um, I think for me, it's kind of easy to turn it on in ministry moments um, when I stop thinking about myself, but in like the, the still moments of the day on the weekend, when I'm just at home for hours, you know, and there's no one to think about, I just think about myself. And, and then I think, and then the attention gravitates towards the pain. And so I just appreciated, um, you know, being lovingly called out on that, um, to, to not do that and to, yeah. and to know that that's not actually who I am. And that's actually yeah. me holding on to the old man who I just need to let lay in the grave and just to 
enjoy learning how to be new, um, mm-hmm. which is what I appreciate Dan, um, the pastor, his emphasis on we are new in Christ. All of our sins are covered by the blood. We're completely forgiven. We're completely healed, whole, beloved to live free and live new. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the Lord's been speaking to me about for uh, a long while, but with increased emphasis the last couple months. Um, and so that's kind of been the framework throughout you. I've been kind of listening to this message. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that he said that kind of stuck to me was when he was talking about people who overanalyze things. And he was like, for me again. and I was, and I do that or have done that. And he said something, and this isn't even close to what he said, but it's very similar to where it was like, people who overanalyze things do it to the extent where you actually miss out on any sort of joy you could have had in the thing that you're overanalyzing. And like mm. you lose yourself in it. And by in the search for like knowledge or truth, like you actually become more confused. And I was like, oh, if I could have heard that three months ago. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. but it's just been interesting. And Christopher, like with what you've been talking about in terms of like letting things end, like I feel like that's literally been my last like six months. Of just like letting things go and like really surrendering to the times and the seasons that I'm in and like now getting to the space of like I I don't want to like in terms of like loving people like I want to reach out to someone because that's an like flowing out of me to do that not because I feel like I should but then like finding this balance of like but I know in the obedience of doing something too, I can also grow into loving the way that I should. Mm-hmm. So it's been really interesting to try to figure out how to discern. It's like, oh, I can do this this week, but I can't do that next week. And I can't do that with this person, but I can do that with this person. And just kind of really having to be um, very uh, just slow to move almost like not being as impulsive um, with things. And like, but I think it's helped me care about what I do care about better because I'm letting it have the time that it needs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in terms of what Christina was talking about, in terms of like enabling the brokenness and the pain, um, I think that all goes down to like not trusting the person who says that they love you. Like if you if you trust what they said three days ago, it doesn't matter that they didn't say it the last three days. And you're supposed to be believing the best about the other person um, rather than like what this guy's marriage example was. She was really just looking for the worst every day to almost confirm her own perceptions. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, oh man, I, I don't ever want to do that. Like it was just, I think a really eye-opening. Um, and she'd had good reason to look for the worst because he had been the worst for 13 years you know but then all of a sudden it was changed so yeah i like what you said maria like then you have no reason to trust the person that i love you and i just think about god and i'm like wow mm-hmm. how many times have i felt like I haven't heard from the Lord for a few days and then I'm like God doesn't love me anymore (laughs) when literally like on Sunday or Monday I really felt like wow God loves me so much and I'm held in his hands and you know and um I mean talk about 
season's ending like I'm definitely in this like uh, so many things just ended for me and so many things have, have started and it, it is so interesting to be in this place of my life again <laughs> that I didn't think I would have to go through for years um, after the last time I went through it but really having to go through it and and it's it's cool to like look back and be like okay wow I'm handling this so much differently than I was Mm -hmm. the time before but one of the things that has really helped me through this process has been talking to the people around me that I trust and something that somebody said that was so good was just like when you those moments and you feel like you don't know who you are just go back to who God is. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so simple, but it's so true. Like every time that I go back to who God is, I so easily remember who I am because God did create us in his image and he has like goodness for us and everything. And so I feel like it is so easy to slip into that victim mentality for sure. Mm -hmm. And I've missed out on a lot of really awesome things because of being in a place mentally or not pulling myself out of these places mentally where I felt like I was a victim. And I mean, right. There are situations where you grieve and there are situations where something did happen to you and, and, you know, questions and things you need to process. But I think more and more I'm realizing like the more that I label myself with like anxiety or OCD or things that I struggle with. And then I, and I do these like check-ins, right it's like sometimes I don't even need to do the check-in but then I did a check-in and now I'm like spiraling mm-hmm. um and I think it can be dangerous territory to be like oh I always I always struggle with anxiety or I always struggle with depression instead of just like you know what I'm actually okay and if something comes up I'll deal with it then but I don't need to do all this like preventative work or whatever like I just need to trust that I am making good decisions and like keep walking just keep walking the walk and then deal with things as they come. But I think a lot of times it's really easy to be like, what can I do to make sure that I'm loved? What can I do to make sure that I'm this and things might be going really well today, but then you're like uh, anticipating for something to go wrong. And I think it might as well just be like, you know what, something is going to go wrong at some point and it's going to be okay that it goes wrong. It doesn't mean you're not loved. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think like walking in the obviously is really hard, but I actually have found that just being like, you know what, (laughs) it will go wrong again at some point, you know, this is not the last time I'm sure this is not going to be the last time that I have to go through another thing ending that I really wanted or whatever. Um, But that doesn't mean that I'm not wanted. It doesn't mean that I didn't do a really good job, whatever. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to, that I don't have hope for the future. I was reading Mm -hmm. Jeremiah, was it 17? or set something 17 to 33, 17, maybe. And it literally just says, there is hope for your future, says the Lord. And I, cause I always struggle with Jeremiah 29, 11. I don't know why. Like, I think it's a great scripture, but I'm like, that's the only time I feel like it's really said that way. And then I see it again in Jeremiah and I was like, wow, like God, you're straight up just saying like, there is hope for your future. And that's Mm -hmm. really good. That's a really good truth to remember. Like that was true back then for those people. And that's going to be true for me now. And so those are the things that I feel like you need to get a hold of. And those are the things to say out loud or to, 
to write down or to share or to meditate on, to pull yourself out of that victim mentality. You know what? Maybe today I don't have what I really wanted, but that's okay. Like there is hope for my future. And it doesn't mean like I have a a place to sleep. I have food to eat. I have people that love me. I like everything I need is covered. Like I am okay. My today is hopeful and my tomorrow is hopeful. And for me, that's really what's helped me pull out of like times when I feel like I'm the victim or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Solid stuff right there. That's good. Well, before we wrap up, does anyone have any anything that maybe someone has said as they've kind of processed through the things that we've talked about that's kind of stuck out to you? It's like, oh, I want to make sure I hold on to that. Mm. Mm-hmm. I there you go. <laughs> I was just gonna say I like Christopher you're talking about um, like we are a new creation and I think the power of I don't know how much we as believers actually grasp what it means to be truly transformed by salvation and like the implications of that like the the true implications of that and that's just sort of been sort of like whoa like if you actually lived out of the the um of a renewed mind and the the true reality of like you are not who you were Mm -hmm. you're not the sinner that jesus had to save you from anymore and because he did this like, and it's actually possible to live your life like Jesus lived his life on earth. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually possible to, like, you, you just never see Jesus down and out in scripture. And even when he's, like, praying, like, Lord, take this cup from me, he, he says that. But he's like, but Lord, not your will, but not my will, but yours be done. And versus like spiraling into like take this cup I can't do it I'm so like terrified well why he doesn't just keep like going down like he allows himself to feel pain like I don't think that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to say yeah no no in no. this podcast is like if you feel pain that's victim mentality I don't think we're trying to say that yeah no. I think it's more like acknowledging yes you are hurt yes this person because we live in a fallen world did this or this circumstance or whatever but like that doesn't define who you are as a person like that it can't be what defines you and like you can just turn towards Christ and God and be like oh like this really hurts because like I think all of us intrinsically know we are valuable and that's why it hurts um but you can turn from that place of pain like in my weakness Lord you are my strength and you can Mm -hmm. feel strengthened by that reality and just like as people who are looking to be married one day like understanding like me living out of a, a place of transformation and out of a place of understanding like I am a vessel to love this person like I'm mm. it's really changed how I look at pursuing a spouse honestly like I'm looking for someone to love not I'm not looking for someone to love me 
because I'm already fully loved and fully accepted. Like I don't need someone else's validation for that. I'm actually looking for someone that the Lord is calling me to help realize their own value, like through Christ. Like I can't do that on my own, but like the Christ in me, Christ using what he's called me to Christ using the way he's created me to be is for someone else to fully realize who they're supposed to be as well. And that's just kind of actually a really cool way of looking for someone to marry versus having all these like uh, insecurities like, Oh, what if he doesn't like me back? Well, wow. Like, no, that doesn't actually really matter. Like, who do I love? Who do I want to pour into? Who do I want to be with in their moments of weakness? And uh, maybe not even who do I want to, because that's still kind of self-centered, but like, who do I feel like the Lord is pulling me towards and calling me towards in, in a way that would be a, a marriage that is glorifying to God and our kids would be just little miniature tiny little transformed vessels doing the same <laughs> thing for other people yeah you know, it's, it's a very exciting way of looking at looking for a spouse versus a sort of intimidating um mystical kind of way of looking for a spouse i think no, totally i think i've often thought about looking for spouses how do i get someone to love me and uh you can't yeah. newsflash you can't get anyone to love you <laughs> so but I think the way you're saying it is kind of what I've been thinking about is it's, it is like yes it's you know who does God give me eyes to see the way he sees and he'll give mm-hmm. them eyes to see me the way he sees and then mm-hmm. but from that point on my focus is really only ever on I get to show them Christ um, mm-hmm. and then obviously there's you know that's not to say don't do premarital counseling and don't talk through things, but mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, my actions are not contingent on their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what yeah. I really appreciated what Lily said was talking about, you know, if I forget who I am, look to God, you know, mm-hmm. I just think that, you know, God is light. And I feel like uh, in the gospel, Jesus says like, you know, when, when light is in us, we see things rightly. Mm-hmm. And so when we make sure that we kind of align ourselves on who God is, then that will allow us to then see ourselves and everything else the right way. Um, so I thought that was just a great yeah. um, reminder. You know, that if you feel like you've, like you're out in the wilderness and you're lost, you know, find him and then you'll figure out where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, my last word before we close, which is soon. Um, but <laughs> I just, I was thinking about, it's like, okay, the whole, like, not being selfish or self-centered in the ways we love was, like, the big thing for me, because, like, lately, I've been praying this prayer, I was like, oh, Lord, you know, like, increase my capacity to love, like, I just mm. need more to give, um, and just now, <laughs> I felt like the Lord was like, but are you pouring out all the love that I have given you already? Are you, mm. are you, like, um, just storing that up and not pouring that out. And how can I entrust you with more if you're not pouring out what I've given you already? Mm. And it kind of reminded me of like the talents parable where mm-hmm. he's like, how, like, have you been faithful for what I've given you? So that's mm-hmm. what I'm processing that's good. in the next while. Cause I'm just like a little mind blown right now. <laughs> so I know that's a thing. So that's my good. good. Lady of a final thought. 
Are you? No, I think I already went off on my tool. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yours was good. Yours was good. Um, well, thank you all. This has been very refreshing, vibrant discussion for me and hopefully for our audience as well. Um, and so I want to leave with um, a couple quotes just to kind of leave you all with those of you who are listening. And then the, for those of us that really stick out to me, I think just to kind of propel us as you stop listening to this episode. Um, but also one quote from, I was reading uh, an excerpt from Diedrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, which I've never read before, but um, I read, I was reading apart from the first chapter. And so he says this, he says, human love has little regard for truth and makes the truth relative since nothing, not even the truth must come between it and the beloved person. Human love desires the other person, his company, his answering love, but it does not serve him. Mm. And then he goes on to say, Jesus Christ stands between the lover and the others he loves. Mm. I do not know in advance what love of others means on the basis of the general idea of love that grows out of my human desires. All of this may rather be hatred and an insidious kind of selfishness in the eyes of Christ. What love is, only Christ tells in his word. Contrary to all my own opinions and convictions, Jesus Christ will tell me what love toward the brethren really is. Mm -hmm. Therefore, spiritual love is bound solely to the word of Jesus Christ. Where Christ bids me to maintain fellowship for the sake of love, I will maintain it. Whereas truth enjoins me to dissolve a fellowship for love's sake, there I will dissolve it despite all the protests of my human love. Because spiritual love does not desire, but rather serves, it loves an enemy as a brother. It originates neither in the brother nor in the enemy, but in Christ and his word. Human love can never understand spiritual love, for spiritual love is from above. It is something completely strange, new, and incomprehensible to all earthly love. And that just really rocked me as um, they do that as Christians. Like we are called to love differently. Um, yeah. And just to, just to remind that, yeah, this is, this is not me as a human loving better. This is me as a new creation, allowing Christ's love to love through me. And I think um, Dan at the end put it like this. He says, you know, I know I love my wife. And I'm ready to be like Jesus in her life. Mm. Um, and then he said, I love my wife. Why? Because I wake up to be more like Jesus. I don't wake up for her to serve me. She has no ability to break my heart. And neither do you. You can't keep me from being in his presence. You can't keep me from hearing his voice. You can't keep me from knowing the truth. You can do whatever you want, but you're way too late to get to me because I know him now. Um, and then he just ended his sermon by kind of saying that knowing him talking about Jesus is the biggest deal of your life. Um, mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage myself, encourage you all that really like no human has the ability to take from you the most important things in your life. And that's Jesus and the love of the spirit and his presence and his word. Um, and those things are actually the most important things in life. I know sometimes I forget that and I have to repent of my idols. Um, but when you realize what things are at the center and you hold those things and you really are set free to love well. Hmm. The word, well the word. Thank you all for listening. 
we'll see if it takes us another few months to come up with another episode. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But alas, you have this gift of chocolate, <laughs> spicy saltiness. If you have questions or thoughts, you can obviously reach out to us on Instagram or at spicysalted at gmail.com. Be blessed. Spicy salted? Oh, sorry. Yes, it's spicy salted at gmail.com. No, oh, it's spicy salted chocolate at gmail.com. Spicy salted chocolate at gmail.com or just do it through Instagram like you already do. <laughs> Bye, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.